it's go. Okay? So today is ready, set, go! Okay? I just woke three people up. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew chapter number 28. I want to read some verses for you there uh, before we get into what I feel like uh, the Lord gave us for uh, this weekend. I'm so excited about this message. Uh, I don't think there's uh, any word uh, that gets me going uh, like the word go. I know that sounded redundant, but I really do like the word go. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter number 28, starting at the 16th verse, says this. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. Why did they leave for Galilee? Uh, the Messiah had risen, okay? Jesus is up from the grave. Uh, uh, he sees the women first, and he tells them to go tell my disciples to meet me on the mountain. They already know what mountain that is because he had been up there with them many times before. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Verse number 19, therefore, comma, go. And so uh, today's message, ready, set, go. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the words, shall we? Uh, Holy Spirit, help us to go. Amen. <laughs> so Jesus has been miraculously raised from the dead before his ascension, before uh, he has an opportunity to establish anything. He says, I want to meet with my disciples. They scattered after I died. Uh, they were all disoriented. Many of them were scared, frightened. They ran into homes, locked themselves in. Uh, but I am alive, just like I said I was going to be. And I would like them all to meet me on a mountain. He calls them up. Even though they're scared, even though some of them still doubt it, he calls them up. That is what I love about our Lord and Savior, that no matter what situation we're in, he calls us up. He never comes down to leave us down. He only comes down to bring us up. And what he does with his disciples, he says, I, I, I know you're scared. I know you're disoriented. I know you're confused. I know you don't know what's next, but I need you to come up. And when you come up to where I am, you'll have my perspective. I came down to where you were so I could alleviate the pain of sin and death in your lives, to secure for your eternal life so you can be back in a relationship with the God that created you. But I didn't come down there to leave you there. I need you to come up so you can have a different perspective. Anytime I'm talking to somebody, no matter how bad their situation is, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I require of them is, are you willing to come up? Are you willing to have your perspective changed? And if you are willing to have your perspective changed, it's going to mean you can't stay where you are. In your thinking, in the way you see the world, in your prejudices, you cannot stay where you are. If you want to change, you have to come up. 
So Jesus calls them up. When they, get, they all get up there, he gives them the mandate where we get uh, uh, the phrase, the Great Commission. This is where it comes from. Comes from. Anytime you hear a church say, we're a Matthew 28 church, they're talking about verses 16, 17, 18, and 19. Here's what he says. Uh, I need you to go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, when you hear that command, uh, a lot of people get so transfixed on the entire sentence. Go and make disciples. We're a disciple-making church. We need to be about discipleship. We need to disciple people. Disciple, 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 disciple. And listen, this is a discipleship church. There's nothing I'm more interested in than people bringing their life to Jesus Christ and then becoming mature in their relationship with God to be mature disciples so they can go out and bring more people into the kingdom. But I'm also a wordsmith. I also take the word very literally. Uh, And there's a therefore, then a comma. Then it says go. Then it says and. Then it says make. Then it says disciples. So this sounds like a couple of different instructions. The go is a command by itself. Without anything else attached to it, he said, you have to go. And there's this uh, Hebrew word uh, uh, for go that uh, I looked at, and I have logos. And because I have one semester of Bible college, you have to cheat. And so uh, 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 logos is this program, and, and, and it'll, you click on a word, and it'll give you the Hebrew word, and it'll give you the Greek word, and it's fascinating. And I clicked on the word like 10 times in my study this week, and I'm still not comfortable pronouncing it, so I'm not gonna. So uh, it's a P word, and it's Greek. We speak English. It means go. There you go. So (laughs) it's up on the screen for you very educated people out there to pronounce and correct me later. Thank you, Mommy. That word means go, travel, or go out. And underneath it says go, proceed, travel, live, walk, behave, leave, journey, conduct one's life. One of my favorite words of all Christianity, die. (laughs) Can you imagine this commandment just left alone without anything else after it? Go. Behave, conduct your life, live your life, go on this journey, travel, die. It's a commandment for us never to be in God's presence and not leave it to tell others about it. It's amazing to me how many people come to church And they come, but they never go. Here's what I mean by that. They're addicted to coming here. They're addicted to church culture. They're addicted to the community. And they want everything to be a one-stop shop, and it all needs to happen here. But when the command is to go, which is to take everything that you just got in this presence and turn around and go out there, and give it to somebody else. Well, I mean, hold on now. 
You heard Michael Exum earlier, hey, it's a tough, tough world out there. Who wants to go out there? Let's just keep coming in here. But the only reason why we come into his presence is to get directives, encouragement, inspiration, and confirmation from the Lord so we can go. <laughs> no, no, nobody's perpetually coming. At some point, you have to go. So that's what I want to talk about today is go. Now, there's a, a, a definition that I found in uh, dictionary.com that I love. There were over, there were close to 40 different, uh, close to 50, I'm sorry, different definitions for the word go. Uh, but number 42 really rung my bell, <laughs> which means I actually read down all of them. I'm like, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> 42. Thank you. Here's go, the 42nd definition, to share or participate in to the extent of, often followed by the complementary substantive. An example is to go halves. Anybody ever been on a double date? Anybody ever went to lunch with some friends, but everybody had to pay for themselves? Or you just chipped in, hey, we're going to go half on a pizza. Right. And so uh, I'll give you five dollars and you give five dollars and uh, we'll get we'll get a pizza. Uh, when you think about that context of going, isn't that the relationship Jesus wanted with us? He says, come, follow me. And you'll be fishers of men. I, I, I want you to come with me uh, because I want you to go later. But we'll both be going. I have this evangelistic uh, burden on my life. This is Jesus talking. Uh, uh, to reach the whole world with the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God. Will you go half with me on it? If, 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 if I do my part, will you do your part? If, if I die for the whole world, would you die to your will? If I shed my blood, would you shed some of your time? If, if I could sacrifice my body to be broken for you, could you sacrifice some of your time to get people closer to me? Let's go half on this. You won't have to do the whole thing yourself. As a matter of fact, I've done the grunt work. I don't know if you know this or not, but I took the whipping. I took the beating. I took the crucifixion. So I'm kind of leaving you with the easy part. I'm just kind of asking you to like, go. And die. Like, and he does it with a smile. Die. <laughs> Not the way I did, although there may be some persecution and you might die like I died. But to your will and to, and to your way so you could see my life come through yours. So there's three uh, points that I have for this message. You probably expected that. Here's the way I want you to write it before I give you the three points. Three ways I can go better. Three ways I can go better. Put it in first person. Three ways that you can go better. The first one, point number one, write this down, is be filled. If you want to go better, be filled. Ephesians chapter number five, verse number 18 says this. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. 
Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. No one's going to go without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to go without the Holy Spirit. So much so that uh, uh, Jesus gave instructions to his disciples. Hey, listen, we're on this mountain. I want you to go and make disciples of all men. Hey, but don't leave Jerusalem yet because the Holy Spirit hasn't come. And if you try to go without the Holy Spirit, you're going to stop really, really quickly. So Acts chapter number two, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know the first thing that happens after they got filled? They went. As soon as they got filled, it was time to go. Now, um, what I've tried to do is always have very, very simplistic uh, examples, practical examples that you can use, because what I really hope you get into the uh, a habit of is just ripping off the sermons, just completely taking them like you made it up yourself, like you were not even at church on the weekend, and you just start re-preaching it like you came up with the whole thing by yourself. Just, hey, man, I was in God's presence this weekend, and he spoke to me and gave me three points. I want to share them with you. They are powerful. Wow, where'd you get that from? From the Lord? I mean, you don't have to tell him it's me, because remember, everything from the kingdom is public domain. So there's no copyright on it. I don't have a sermon. He gave us a sermon, so preach it, okay? So just let it go out there. So, and I try to come up with like witty stuff and some stuff that'd be practical, like, oh, that makes sense. And <laughs> uh, this week, uh, uh, as I was praying about this sermon, there was only one example that kept coming to me, and it was such a no-duh practical example, but then I was like, oh my God, like, won't that be a little crass if I say that? Won't some people be uncomfortable? And yeah, I don't have another one, so brace yourselves. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I don't have another one. If, like, if you don't get it with this example I'm about to give you right now, you're just not ever going to get it, okay? All right, so be filled with the Holy Spirit. As soon as it got filled, right, it was time to go. So let me ask you this question. If you drink a lot of liquid, <laughs> you drink like a 40 ounce of anything. After a while, won't you have to go? Is there, is there anyone among us whose bladder is so anointed that you can just con keep consuming liquid and not go? Well, if your natural body won't give you permission to allow stuff to keep coming in without something going out, then maybe your body's even testifying that it's time to go. <laughs> this is what happens when you're filled, not when you sip. <laughs> I don't know, the Holy Spirit makes me uncomfortable. He's, ooh. I don't understand, you know, Wow, you know, I've seen some people do some things that were a little bit strange. Okay, there's some people that, yes, I've seen people consume stuff and act strange. But I also know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit 
And the only thing that's strange is that you're not the same person you used to be. And it only happens when you're filled. And I'm telling you, the reason why I started point number one with the Holy Spirit is you can't go without him. It is absolutely impossible for you to go without him. There's no way that we could have come here. We couldn't have been sent to Irving to plant a church if we weren't led by the Holy Spirit, if we weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, There were no aspirations in me at all to become a senior pastor. He told me to go. And because I stay filled with the Holy Spirit, which is absolutely practical, it's not something weird. Uh, 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 Well, it is weird. It's just not crazy. Remember, I'm a wordsmith. Uh, Weird means supernatural and or uncanny. That is the Holy Spirit. He's weird. He does all the weird stuff in the New Testament, the supernatural and the uncanny. What he is not is crazy, which means to be out of one's mind. And God's spirit is not out of God's mind. (laughs) Okay? So when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about opening ourselves up and saying, Holy Spirit, you have all of me. Even the parts I don't want you to have, you have all of me, and I invite you in. You're the free gift given by God, the promise to us, and so I I receive you, Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, into my life, and I give you permission to use my life the way you want it to be used. When you say that and back out of the way, you're going to go on an adventure. You're going to be on a journey. Because the Holy Spirit's going to start telling you to do stuff that you're like, oh, I didn't know. No, wait a minute. I actually didn't volunteer for that, Holy Spirit. Let me give you my list of approved things that you can use me for. That's how it works if you want to control him. But if you're going to allow him to control you, you become filled, you're going to go. <laughs> So point number one is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Point number two is to be full. First one is to be filled. The other one is to be full. And I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter number three. I'm going to read the first three verses, and I want to give you a context to this. Just to give you uh, a little bit of background on Ezekiel. Ezekiel has received a call and commission from God. Uh, and uh, he sees a vision in chapter number one. In chapter number two, he receives his call uh, to go to a very rebellious uh, group of Israelites who have been stubborn against God's call and command. And he says, uh, I want you uh, to go to them and give them my words. The words that he was giving them is really uh, all of the curses that were in uh, the book of Deuteronomy because they had uh, been so stubborn and rebellious against the Lord. Here's what it says in verse number uh, uh, one of chapter number three. Uh, The voice said to me, son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. Then, 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 then go and give its message to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth. This is Ezekiel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Point number two is be full. 
First was be filled with what? The spirit. Point number two, be full of what? The word. You won't go if you're not full of the word. And here's what God told Ezekiel. Hey, listen, take this whole scroll, this portion of Deuteronomy with all these curses on it, and I want you to eat it. And after you eat it, go. And give the message to them based off what you've eaten. Now think about this. What he ate was all the curses in the book of Deuteronomy. And here's his response. This is, sweet, this is sweeter than honey to me. Well, how can somebody read something that's so negative and still say it's sweet? Because he was obeying God. The only time the word seems very, very uncomfortable for people is when they're not living up to it. <laughs> that's the only time it's bitter to you is when you're going, oh, I, mm, I don't want to hear that. When it's a message that, 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 that you really want to hear, you're like, amen, woo, preach that. Amen. The blessings of the Lord are mine. All of heaven promises are mine. Bless God. And then the word is uh, covenant. Die to yourself. Mm, I don't know. About it. I don't know about all that. Die where? Tithe. Oh, well, you know, I don't know about you getting me my money. I'm not saying amen to that either. Forgive those that have despitefully used you. Oh, boy. Uh, I liked last week's message better. <laughs> the only time it's bitter is when you don't want to bend. You want to be a person that's going to go and fulfill Matthew chapter number 28? Be full of his word. He said, it, it's as sweet to me as honey. David says in Psalm 119, verse number uh, 113, uh, how sweet your words taste to me, they are sweeter than honey. Now, I know there are some people here, uh, as John spoke of earlier, that, that, that may not be uh, in the category of, I, I've been walking with God for a long time. And you may be in that, I'm seeking, I still have some doubts, or I'm a new believer and I'm trying to figure it all out. And uh, I try to read the Bible, but man, it's, oh, I fall asleep every time. I, I could have slept eight hours. I get up to read my Bible. I'm sleeping three minutes. And uh, uh, I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not a reader, okay? We don't care what you are. <laughs> the book said read it <laughs> and to eat it. So again, we have to submit our will to his if we're going to grow and develop. And here's what I tell people. If you don't, if, if, if reading the word has been really complicated for you, start somewhere that's easy. You don't have to take a dive into Leviticus. You're not proving anything to anybody. Okay? I'm going to be a champion and start from the beginning. Okay, Genesis. There's, there'll be a lot of great stuff in there. Exodus. Ooh, my goodness. Leviticus? Wow. After you finish the regulations that had to happen because they were in the middle of a wilderness, you will either want to throw up You'll be so disgusted by the images that are in your head, you'll be like, no, I, why did I read this? You go through the book of Chronicles, you will probably fall asleep. The begats are so chunky. The begat is not the problem, it's the, it's the name in between the begats. Why all these syllables, Jesus? 
I can't even pronounce the Greek word of so-and-so, and that's the person's name. I can't even say it. Start with a psalm. Start with a proverb. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Every month has at least 28 days. Some of them have 31, which means you can read a chapter of Proverbs a day based on what day it is. Today is what, the 19th or the 20th? Today's the 20th. So read the 20th chapter of Proverbs and, and close the book. Like, yeah, you read a chapter. Here's the thing about the Bible that I've come to realize. It's an acquired taste. When, you, when you're used to feeding yourself Twitter, Instagram, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, reading the business journals, Business Weekly, whatever you're into, when that's been your constant diet and then you read the word, which is like not changing, there's no update, there's no new post coming, it says the same thing that it said last time, except that it's meaning something different this time, because it's the only word that's alive. I used to go to the barbershop a lot uh, before, and uh, uh, you, you'll be sitting in there, and inevitably, if you've ever been in a barbershop or a beauty salon, uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, they like, started a subscription to a certain magazine, and then somewhere they just stopped. And they didn't get any new ones. They just put out the stack of old ones. And it's like, <laughs> it's like a magazine from like 88. And you're sitting there waiting for your cut. It is 2016. And you are reading this magazine from like 1988. And you're going through it, and, and maybe there's a celebrity that was in there, and you're like, oh my goodness, I remember that. And that celebrity is either dead or divorced or something. As soon as it went into print, it was already old. Th those words, as soon as they were typed on paper, they were already dead because the news was past tense. The word of God is the only thing that was written in the past, good for your present, and prophesying about your future. So read it. Start with a verse. Start with a chapter. And I promise you, if you start disciplining your body to get the word of God in, you'll want more and more of it. Your soul will start craving it. I promise you, your soul is so sensitive, whatever you feed it, it will start craving more of it. You start giving it more of the word of God, it will start wanting more of the word of God. If, if, if reading is, is, is really, really difficult, get the Bible on audio. Just listen to it. And just have it coming on the inside. And then you will be full. And let me tell you something. When you get full of the word of God, other stuff stops satisfying you. Temptations that used to come, they'll just stop satisfying you. It won't be as good as God's word. So be practical. Start with something that you know and then build on it and then you will get full. You know what happens? Anybody ever eaten a really big meal? Okay, I'm going the same. It's the same analogy as the first point. No surprise here. You keep eating a lot of food, you're going to have to go. Okay? It's not rocket science. If you get filled, and you get full, you will go. And when you go, someone's going to be blessed because you went.
you got to go. Uh, we just had an engaged class today. Uh, we had about 21 new people join the church, which I'm very, very excited about. So we have 22 new residents of our community. And uh, the mandate that we've given everyone that's going, how many people have gone through our engaged class? You've gone through the engaged class. It's fantastic. Um, uh, for the people that have gone through the engaged class, uh, one of the commitments uh, that we ask them to make is uh, to invite at least one person to church a month. That's just 12 people for the year. Uh, and to win one soul to Jesus Christ a year for as long as they're a resident here. And now some of you might be going, oh, you need to invite a soul a day. Bless God. You want us to go, then we're going to go, buddy. And we need, to, we need to evangelize every single day. Well, if you can reach 365 people in a year, I will humbly give you this church and I will retire because you're amazing. Here's why we say one person a month, invite them to, to, to church. Because you already know a sinner. Like, you don't have to get a bullhorn and go out on 114 and Beltline. Come to the Lord. <laughs> Come to Jesus. Repent. Like, you work with somebody that you know doesn't know Jesus. So invite them. Just invite them to church. And if you can't invite them to this church, you need to ask yourself a question. Why? And if, there, if the answer is there's something about this church that either embarrasses you, makes you uncomfortable, you don't want to explain it to anybody after the service, this is probably not your church. If you can't invite people to your church, but you can invite somebody to a movie, your favorite restaurant, your own house, but you can't invite them here, this is probably not your church. And it, I, that's not an offensive statement, and I'm not defensive. Here's what I'm saying. I want you to be somewhere that you're happy to invite people to. I want every person in the world to give their life to Jesus, be a part of a community, and be so happy to go, oh my goodness, I'm going to church on a Saturday. I know it's random, it's at five, it's kind of weird, but we're figuring it out. Come! <laughs> and it's not your assignment to get them saved. It's not your assignment to get them back. It's just your assignment to go and tell. And then we say, we want, you to invite, we want you to win one soul a year to the Lord. Because I think it should be done through a relationship. And I have relationships with people who have not given their life to Jesus yet, but are starting to open themselves up for an opportunity for me to talk more about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I give you my latest evangelistic field that I'm so proud about? So, so I'm a video gamer, right? That, that's what I do with my time. Don't judge me. So I play video games, and this game I'm playing online is a, a, a massive uh, multi-online game. And so... Uh, you play with other people, you put on your headphones, you're talking to them, and you're going through these missions, and you're shooting people. And so, uh, <laughs> don't judge me. So, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been playing with this uh, one crew that's come to be kind of like my A-team, and uh, every, every night we'll, we'll get on and we'll play for a couple of hours, and, and they'll be 
they'll, they'll be, you know, cussing in my ear, you know, just saying all kind of stuff mad about the game and, you know, I just kind of giggle it off or whatever. It's been going on for like a month. So we've been bonding now more to the fact that they started asking people, man, so what do you do and what do you do and what do you do? And I knew they were going to get to me. <laughs> I, I knew they were going to get to me, but I refused to volunteer, right? So I'm just like playing the game and everybody's like, yeah, bro, I got to get up early and go to work and blah, blah. So uh, they, they finally, somebody finally asked, hey, bro, uh, Tim, uh, uh, and my handle name is Tim for Jew. So they go, hey, uh, Tim for Jew, uh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, bro. Oh, my God. I've been cussing in your ear for like two months, man, and you didn't even stop me. And I was like, because we're playing a game. I didn't know I was supposed to police my game community. You don't go to my church. You haven't even given your life to Jesus yet. So let's keep playing this game. Well, the next few times I got online, it was super awkward. Because they were like going through, and they were like, huh, oh, never mind. I was about to say something. Forgot Tim's on. <laughs> well, there's a little uh, 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 messenger that you can get with your game console so I can keep up when guys are online and stuff like that. And uh, uh, I was on with one, and they said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be on tonight. I have surgery in the morning. I have a minor surgery in the morning. Uh, and so I just stopped and said a pr quick prayer for him. And I responded and wrote, hey, listen, uh, I don't know if you're into prayer or not, but I just prayed for you. It's already out there. You can't get it back. Um, so it's just something you're going to have to live with. And uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted you to know that I prayed for you. And like three or four responses came back from different guys that's in our group chat. And it was, oh, man, that's so cool. Thank you. We get back online, and uh, we're waiting for some other guys to get online, and he takes a moment to go, hey man, you know, you know, I appreciate you, and man, I'm living with my girlfriend, and I don't even know. <laughs> she's still partying. I'm not doing it anymore, but I mean, <laughs> she still goes out drinking, and I'm like, you know, and I'm just like trying to get my gear so I can go shoot people. And here's what I realized. This is just a voice in my head in my headphones, not like, <laughs> not like a beautiful mind, kind of like, okay. This is just some random guy who now has not been turned off by the fact that I'm a pastor, actually feels compelled to share some stuff and get my insight. All because I was playing a game. But since I'm filled and I'm full, I just go all the time. <laughs> I can't help but to go. Listen to me. That's not happening because I'm a pastor. That's happening because I'm a believer. So before anybody gets it in their mind, well, you're a pastor, so I mean... Mm. You can do the same thing. And it's as easy as waiting for an opportunity to be able to interject your faith 
in a way that's just, it, it, it came naturally. It was in the course of conversation. And you can do the same thing. Point number three, write this down. Uh, but before point number three, let's review. Point number one was? Thank you. Point number two was? Point number three, write this down. Be faithful. Be faithful. Mark chapter number two. We, we listen, uh, I met with uh, John on Thursday just to catch up with him. I was on vacation. He was on vacation. So we had a great time to talk and it was great. Um, then he gets up and, you know, he encourages you all uh, in between the second and the third song. And uh, he starts talking about uh, the friends that lowered the paralytic man down. And I just looked at my wife and she's just chuckling at me because like that's point three of my message. And like, I didn't talk to John about my message. The Lord is speaking <laughs> and he's confirming his word. I was just sitting there like, maybe I should just have John come up and do point three. I can sit down. Point number three is be faithful. And I want to read you these five verses because I want you to see something that Jesus says. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof over his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus, seeing their faith. Underline that. Underline that. Underline it. Underline it. Highlight it. Do whatever you need to do. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Do you know what happens when you're filled and you're full? You go. And you know what you go do when you go? You go get people. And you get people that can walk. You get people that are paralyzed. You just bring them into his presence. Here's what's amazing about this story. These four guys, <laughs> I don't know where they were carrying this guy from, but by the time they got to the house, they looked around and they were like, man, it's crowded. It's packed. When did service start? We should have came earlier. Maybe we should go back. I don't know what their thoughts were. Here's what my thought would have been. This dude is heavy. <laughs> like, this dude, I believe in you. <laughs> You're the God of me. Like, I need a miracle now because I don't want to carry this dude back home. So, Jesus, please, you got to see this guy. And so desperate were they that they climbed up on a roof, tore a hole through it, and lowered the man down while Jesus was teaching. This could have never happened in a religious church. Because you can't stop a religious service and do anything different. Because that, that's just, mm -mm, we're doing that. Lowered him down. Jesus looked at the guy. He looked up. I imagine they were all for their heads in the <laughs> hole that they, mm, get them. <laughs> and here's what scripture says. Seeing their faith. Here's what I honestly believe. These were some filled, full people. 
who had enough energy to carry someone else into God's presence. You know what the Great Commission is really all about? Getting filled and getting full so you can go carry somebody else. Into God's presence, not some codependent weird thing that they become so heavy and it gets weird and awkward. No, no, no. I got to get you into God's presence. And here's what the scripture said. Seeing their faith, he looked back at the guy and said, your sins are forgiven. And as John had already eloquently said, subsequently said, rise, take up your mat and walk. We have the strength to carry people. If we get filled and we get full, we'll have enough energy to be faithful enough to get our friends and our foreigners. That's what I call people who are unbelievers. They're just foreigners. They're just, not, they're just not here yet. Into God's presence. That's how you go. And the more that we get filled, the more that we get full, the more we'll see people come into his presence. Let me make one thing clear. This message is not about trying to get more people into this church. God builds his church. Preaching won't build a church. Worship would not build a church. It could build a crowd. It won't build his church. God builds his church. But he does it through people who are filled, full, and faithful. So go. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I, I hope in some way I have encouraged and or exhorted you to go. Because there's some people that you can reach that I'll never reach. The reason why I want you to rip the sermon off is because there's going to be some people that listen to these words through you more than they would listen to them through me. There's some people that don't want to hear this podcast. They want to hear your life living it. And if we could get more people Filled, full, and faithful. We would see a paralyzed generation come into God's presence and not only get their sins forgiven, but to rise and walk as well. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And if you need prayer for any reason, we're going to ask you to come. During this time, we're going to sing one last song.